Hello and welcome to the No Room for Doubt podcast. My name's Kyra Matthews. I'm a manifestation obsessive and I help creatives and independent business owners overcome self-doubt and anxiety so they can build thriving businesses online. So let's get into it. Hello friends, how are you? I'll be honest and I decided to post this interview literally yesterday. I had something else scheduled to go live but I saw Daisy Morris's Instagram post. I never call her that, that was really weird. Daisy Morris, Daisy's Instagram post and I was like, I have to post this. I have to post this interview today. Yesterday, if you don't know who Daisy is and you've been sleeping on her, you haven't seen her post recently, yesterday she announced that she's her book is live and you can go and pre-order it. Yes, like she's written a book like over the last year, I think it's taken her. Um, I got to witness part of that process and so I'm so happy and so gassed to see when she shared it live on Instagram. So please do, do go and pre-order it. The book is actually really interesting. Um, it's all about community. And obviously, I think a lot of the conversations that we've been having on, on the No Room For Doubt podcast lately have been about community. Um, the power of connecting with people, the power of building a network, people that will support you and guide you and... Um, who are sort of like horizontal, they're in a similar place to you, as well as those networks and connections that are gonna really advance your creative business and open doors for you. That kind of networking is so key. And her book feels really timely to be talking about this. So I do recommend everyone go and pre-order it. Pre-orders are really, um, look at me just like doing the most on this. <laughs> on this um, promo. She didn't ask me to say all this, but I know that pre-orders are really important for books because it helps bookstores to know when they should stock it and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so do support if you're interested in learning more and you wanna build a community, your own community. Um, one thing I will say, this is the biggest endorsement, but it's a friend, so it's fine. One thing I will say is that I have been getting a few questions from clients, friends, people from all over the place about how to work with brands, how to do more brand work and things like that, and how to do more speaking events as well. And one of the things I would say is that building your own community, like people who know you, like you, and are really interested in the opinions and the ideas that you have to share is one of the best ways to start getting those partnerships for yourself so not only is daisy's book going to be an amazing thing to add to your book collection i'm sure it's growing every week i know mine is but this podcast episode is going to be a really great one to inspire you to go out there to talk to the humans irl and url <laughs> That'll make sense by the time you get to the end of the episode. So please do go and enjoy it. Before we dive in though, I just spent about 35 minutes talking about Daisy. Um, 
I will say I am so, so delighted by all of you who have signed up to Stuck to Unstoppable this month. What? It's been crazy. Um, I can't wait to evaluate this mini launch that I've kind of done. Do you guys ever get like that? You launch something and you're like, whoa, I can't wait to evaluate this on the end. Um, and an evaluation, if you don't know, or if you don't do this, is where you're just like, what worked? What didn't? What will I do better? What will I keep? What will I change? And so I can't wait to do that for this launch. Thank you for signing up. So the people that signed up to Stuck to Unstoppable this month have also nagged a mastermind day with me in person in London. So I'm going to be talking about those as well in a couple of weeks as they start to come up in my diary. Okay, anyway. Without further ado, <laughs> I'm sure I've spoken enough about her, but without further ado, here is the amazing Daisy Morris. So Daisy, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Daisy Morris and I am a social media strategist and founder of online community and social media consultancy, The Selford. And I started my business four years ago because I'd worked in fashion and events and worked with lots of big agencies. And I just found that there was a lot of jargon, a lot of unnecessary acronyms. And there were times I was sat in meetings and I'd ask questions and I was just made to feel stupid. And I had a team around me who were too scared to put their hand up and say, what does that mean? And I just thought, do you know what? There's so many cool people doing cool things that need help, human friendly, down to earth help. And that's what the Selfhood is. So the mission is to make URL as human as IRL. Alongside supporting clients, I also do a bit of public speaking, I host workshops, I consult for agencies and brands. And that's it really in a nutshell. Um, love a margarita, love a spicy marg. And yeah, that's me. That's me in a nutshell. Okay, nice. So you used to work with agencies doing social media and marketing. So we used to have some of the brands I worked with, we would have social media or digital marketing agencies and PR agencies okay. that would support us in-house. So my role was to manage them, manage the relationship. So a lot of the time they'd be reporting back to us on campaign performance or helping us plan. And it just... Not all the time, but quite often it felt like quite a hostile environment and it was almost like if you went to Tenerife, they went to Elevenerife and it was almost like they were trying to one-up you, and which isn't how partnerships like that should work. So I always say when we onboard new clients, no question is too big or too small, no such thing as a silly question. And it's actually really important to me that our clients understand the work that we do because I actually think yeah. they'll see more value in it. If you keep them at arm's length and try and um, bamboozle people with long words, they just kind of check out, I think. So we really say to people, and I make it super clear as part of the onboarding process, that we're an extension of the team. But equally, if you don't understand something, just say. Because, um, yeah, I've been on the, other, on the other end of that. And it's just, especially when you're in the early stages of your career. In fact, when you're in any stages of your career, being made to feel silly and like you don't have a safe space to ask questions, I think actually really limits people's potential because the second that you feel like I can't ask a question is you're dampening your own growth 
and that's what I think spurs on imposter syndrome. And then you get into this rabbit hole of Googling stuff and then it's like content abundance overload. And all of a sudden you're like, hang on a minute, what does this even mean? Why don't I understand this? I'm so stupid, I should know this. And it's like the world's changing all the time, the industry's changing all the time. You cannot know everything. So yeah, it's really important to me that people feel part of our world and just get the work we do. It's really interesting to hear you talk about that because I think the way your business is now, many of the listeners will sort of look up and and aspire to have what you do or like the way you do business. And it's really interesting because as you were saying that, I just sort of flash back to when I worked in fashion and I had that same feeling of like, I'm smaller than everyone or like everyone knows something that I don't and I didn't want to feel stupid and I didn't want to feel silly. How did you take that feeling and decide, okay, I'm gonna go out and do my own business. Because in a way, surely building a business brings up, magnifies all those feelings mm. of, and that sense of, I don't wanna make a mistake and I don't wanna um, be seen as stupid. Like massively. And to be honest, it doesn't go away. I think you just get better of managing, better with managing those thoughts. So I actually now, love being out of my comfort zone I love being nervous because I think things can become quite just like the usual like you get stuck into not stuck into a routine but you kind of get used to things that used to terrify you and then when I get an opportunity that is out of my comfort zone I now embrace that so much which is so funny because there were things I was so terrified of so something I speak about quite a lot Um, and I'm actually about to do a TEDx talk on, is the fear of public speaking. And I think we often think that public speaking is just being stood in front of a massive group of people or an audience and talking about something. But there's actually something called glossophobia that affects 71% of Brits. And it's basically another word for public speaking, but that manifests it within talking in a group in a social situation, putting your hand up at work, pitching to a client, job interviews, talking to strangers. Public speaking is part of our everyday life. And I actually think that's one of the root causes of our imposter syndrome is not being able to communicate our needs or our ideas effectively. And I use this example quite a lot, but I've been in meeting rooms with CEOs of massive businesses who can absolutely command a space but get them to the pub at 6 p.m. and they completely like lose their ability to, to interact socially. And then equally seem really amazing creative people who have these incredible ideas and they're the life and soul of the party, but can't communicate at work. And I think we have to create these safe spaces. And just to go back to your point, I think that's what I lacked at times is being in corporate environments that didn't nurture different learning needs. And I think, the answer to that is really to understand how different people work and know how people respond, not just in the workplace, but socially too, and understand that communicating your ideas is is really difficult. So that's something I worked really, really hard on because when I first started Selford, I was so scared of public speaking and I was so scared of pitching myself, but I didn't have a choice. So I kind of had to throw myself into the deep end a little bit and um, take micro aligned steps towards a bigger goal. And I think I work in social media and I advocate for it, but 
something that social media has done to our generation and society in general is planted this idea that everything is overnight and everything's immediate and it's just not. And I've, I've made so many mistakes in my career and I've done so many things wrong and I've done so many things that used to make me cringe, but I now think, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that happened because yeah. I learned so much from it. And we don't post, well, I try to, to be fair, I should do it more, but we, we don't see like these massive CEOs or these like people who we assume are killing it in our field, sharing their failures. And I, I'm actually more impressed by the failures and how people overcame that than the glossy accolades. And I think it's about embracing those moments and those really scary times and knowing that when your body is like, shit, this is scary, it's a signal that you're about to level up and you're about to grow. And I think that's been it for me is recognizing that the fear is actually a really, really good thing. I love how you said that now you actually enjoy being in that space. And I think definitely life can get boring when like you haven't done anything exciting, you haven't rocked the boat mm -hmm. and you almost need something to rock the boat. And I think you can do this in a work sense and a career sense, but also sometimes just doing it in like a personal, your personal hobbies, like oh, learning yeah. to roller skate, Send the that rocks the boat as well. Send the risky text. <laughs> Yes! Oh my God, the weird hinge date, let's go. Oh my God, let's I go. love the risky text. I love the risky text. It's like, plot twist, could potentially ruin my life, could potentially accelerate my life, but I'm here for it. Have you sent any risky texts lately? <laughs> I have actually. Oh really? Yeah, I have, but not for the- Good outcomes or bad outcomes? Good actually, but not for the podcast, but okay. I'll, I'll tell you after. <laughs> I love that. Can you tell us about a time when you experienced something that what felt like maybe at the time it was a fail, but after looking back, you were like, oh, that was so, I'm glad that that transpired in the way that it did. Yeah, a really significant moment for me was when I just started Selford. I had, to, so I moved to London seven years ago and I didn't know anybody here all my friends still lived at home but I just knew that if I wanted to do what I wanted to do at the time I needed to be in the city so I moved here and I just didn't know anyone um and I was like I'm gonna have to start networking and meeting new people and I set myself the challenge of going to networking events which I speak about this quite publicly and I used to be so embarrassed of this but I I don't really care anymore but I used to be really socially anxious and I used to find talking to new people, um, even people I knew, like even friends of friends, if I had to go to a party, I would be filled with dread the day before and the day. And I'd almost like rehearse in my head, like, okay, what can I say if there's an awkward silence? It was actually quite painful. Um, so the idea of going to a networking event, which is hilarious, because now I feel super confident and like I can't yeah. really go to a networking event on my own. And I, I often use myself as a case study because people are like, oh, you're so confident. And I'm like, I promise you, I was not. And it's taken seven years of practice. Confidence is a practice, I think. Um, it's taken a long time. But anyway, I was um, looking at networking events and I went on to, I think it was Eventbrite and it was like, I can't even remember what it was, but it was basically super corporate. But I had no idea how this stuff worked. And I had no idea how networking worked. And I went to this um, networking event and it was no shade at all. But I was in the creative industry. It was a lot of like white middle-aged men in suits. It was very kind of um, techie, corporate, 
um, Earl Grey, complimentary Earl Grey tea vibes. And I was chatting to this guy and I was I just went into meltdown mode because I was probably the youngest person there. I didn't have like an elevator pitch. I didn't really know who I was, not even in my career, but just as a human. And bless him, he was making small talk. You could obviously see that I was visibly petrified. And my neck used to go bright red. That was my telltale sign and my hands would shake and it went a bit quiet. And I said to him, so uh, if you could be any animal, what would you be and why? <laughs> And bless him. I could tell that he was a bit like, who's this? Why is this girl here? <laughs> and I used, like, he, bless him, he answered the question. He said he'd be a dog. Um, and after that, I left because I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't deserve to be in these spaces. I'm so amateur. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm also like, you were 23. You had no idea who you were. You had no idea how, like, the city works, let alone networking, let alone business. And I didn't go networking for about two years after that because it genuinely terrified me. But the lesson in that I learned was, okay, go prepared. What kind of questions can you ask people? And I personally don't really like it um, when I'm at a networking event and the first thing someone says, so what do you do then? Or even if I'm in a pub, I think that's quite a London thing as well that I've noticed since I've lived here is like, you'll be out in the pub and someone will be like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, you don't even know my name. Like, yeah. um, I think it's a default thing. I, I even catch myself doing it sometimes if I'm completely honest. But um, I was then able to learn that it's nice to be asked things like, what's your favourite thing about your job? What's your favourite project you've worked on? What would you change about your industry if you could? And lead with open questions and lead with questions that ignites people's passion as well. Because I think the second that you can get someone talking passionately and you see their eyes light up that's an energy exchange that you've created and I think that creates an instant bond um when you allow people space to talk about what they love so I think despite the fact that I asked a man what animal he'd be and why and it makes me cringe in fact no it doesn't even make me cringe anymore it makes me laugh and it's it's actually quite a good story I think um yeah my I I really I really took away from that, like, okay, well, preparation is key. Like, you need to put everything in life is about preparation, IMO. Um, so, yeah, I think, although it's, like, a bit cringe and I look back on it and think, oh, my gosh, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm really glad that it happened. I love how you frame public speaking as something that doesn't have to happen just on a stage. Also, when you're with someone one-on-one -on -one that you don't know, that could be an element of public speaking. And I think I know so many people who even find that really difficult, find themselves wanting to shy away and like close themselves away. There's this sense that they don't have anything interesting to offer. They don't have anything interesting to say. The other person is going to reject them. And so it's almost like in their minds, my clients tell me about this all the time, but like in their minds, they reject themselves first yeah. and just don't say anything. So the other person doesn't have to reject them. Yeah. And what I really appreciate about what I feel like you're saying is that like, you've had to work for your confidence. Like you've almost, I always say like, I had to earn my confidence and I did it by doing these little small risks. And sometimes it was saying yes to a big project. And sometimes it was being like on the train, being like, oh my God, I love your dress. Oh, do you know what? You are queen of compliments. And I feel like you're really good at putting things out there to strangers. But I'm so with you. I think again, like there's, 
that a lot of evidence to support that when we make others feel good and when we serve others, mm. it helps our own self-esteem. And I, how good is it when you're out and you get a random compliment? Like it makes your week. And yes. also grows not only the person you're complimenting, but it grows your own com- confidence as well. Because it's like, oh, I just said something a bit risky. And I think the reason we don't is that it all boils down to rejection. Like if I compliment the stranger and they're like, what a weirdo, which no one would. Everyone loves a compliment. So I think actually yeah. you're onto something there that actually complimenting strangers is so good for personal growth. Yeah. And I just have to say that woman, I'm speaking about someone in particular. I met her on the Victoria line and that woman, I I complimented her on her dress. She told me that she had made it herself. She had got the material from Walthamstow Market. She was a creative. I was like, oh my God, amazing. Um, she is the head of this design agency, asked me what I did. I said my little pitch and she was like obsessed. We exchanged details and the hope was that we would work together, but we actually hadn't found, found anything that kind of any opportunities for us to work together. It's yeah. still unfolding, but I see so much content online about people where people are like how do I find clients and I'm struggling to find clients and I kind of want to say that they are everywhere yeah they are the people on the train with you there are the people in the queue with yeah. you. They are your friends yeah like it's not just Instagram and I know you're big on this in terms of what you do about like expanding offline as well yes Oh my gosh, I love that story so much. I remember when you first told me that, I was like, this is it. Because I I just think like everything in life is an energy exchange. If you're not, if your cup isn't full, people will feel it from you. When you're radiating, aka like giving strangers compliments, people feel that man. Like people are like, oh my gosh, I want a piece of this. And I love what you said there about expanding your connections because I do think a lot of networking chat is limited to send some DMs on LinkedIn and it's like no get out and talk to people I had a really similar experience um last year I went to Brick Lane on a Sunday and I was at a vintage pop-up market and um I was talking to this woman and I walked away and I overheard her say as I was leaving to this other woman, oh, another woman that worked there, like, oh, I really want to do online, but I really struggle. Like, I just don't get it. And I turned back around. And I was like, out of interest and out of curiosity, like, what is it that you struggle with? Because that's actually what I do. And I didn't sell my services. I just gave her some friendly tips. And she was like, oh, my gosh, this is like gold dust. Um, where can I find you? I was like, just follow me on Instagram. And then about two months later, she booked in a session with me and I wasn't there to sell, it was a Sunday, but I was just like, she's a really nice lady. I'd bought um, a really nice leather jacket from her. And uh, yeah, I think like if, as well as you said, it's about being in the right spaces too. And I think we often associate meeting new people in like a professional capacity when we go to these events and networking events. But I just love what you said so much about giving people time and talking to people and Going without expectation as well, because um, networking is a long game. Like sometimes I meet people and I network with them for like two, three years and then we collaborate and then something happens. Um, so it doesn't have, you don't have to go networking with the attention. Like I'm going to pick up a new client in this space. Like it's relationship building, isn't it? Which as mm. we both know, like that takes time. And I also love what you said about like, you have to fill up your cup and then like, it's just very easy for that to overflow to other people. Like I was thinking about that day 
when I met that lady and I genuinely felt like so high, just high on my own Kool-Aid. Like everybody who listens to this knows that I'm a massive journaler and I use journaling as a way to really center myself. I process my negative emotions. I process my fears and doubt. I know how to journal in a way that can move me towards emotions that make me feel expansive and magnetic and then i go out and i start my day like for some people they might run for like a hundred miles i will like write a hundred pages and i know that you're big on this about getting into that like creative place and like filling up your cup for you what does that practice look like in terms of finding your creativity and filling up your cup i love this question so much and i think it's something we need to ask ourselves more because I'm passionate about creativity as a subject for many reasons, just before I divulge. And I I think sometimes this gets overlooked in the society that we live in because it's so fast paced and because we're required to churn out so much content projects Mm. like capitalism has destroyed our ability to just like allow ourselves to think. Not entirely, but I do think a lot of things get diluted because we have to move so quickly and there's deadlines and stuff. But um. An IBM Watson study found that creativity is the most sought after skill among leaders because it helps you become better problem solvers. It helps you innovate. When you're in a creative flow state, you feel more empathy. Like there's so much research surrounding why creativity is so important. And I think we neglect to prioritize it sometimes. And I have really, really had to be stern about making this part of my practice so now when I get a new brief, I schedule in what I call creative thinking time. And that's even if it's just an hour and I go walk around London Fields near my office with my headphones, aeroplane mode and just really absorb the brief and think about the project. Because I think the first thing people do is like jump to Instagram, jump to Pinterest, jump to Google, TikTok to research and it's like get out of your phone and in your head and get out of social media and in your own flow and I think those those avenues are great like yes social media and search engines are cool there's loads of other things that you can use um when you're researching and I'm not saying to neglect that altogether but there's so much power in disconnection and I know I feel so connected not just to myself but to my creativity when I've given myself the time to just switch off and that could be anything from laying on my bed with music and candles on and my phone in another room could be going for a walk it's often in nature I get really inspired when I'm in nature sometimes it's those unexpected conversations or going to an art gallery and seeing some like an exhibition from an artist that you've never even heard of I think creativity comes from all those micro moments within lives and it's not these like grand awakenings it's all of the things we accumulate throughout the week that inspire us and the people and the conversation and I love this concept that we're the combined efforts of everyone we've ever known and if you can speak to people who enrich your life and if you can speak to people who inspire you that is also going to inspire you and I think um something else that I find really really inspiring is speaking to people who aren't in my industry And speaking to people who work in completely different sectors, not even about work, but just relationships, life, the highs, the lows, like there's so much juice in everyday conversation. And I think we often default to social media and blogs and publications as a source of as a source of creativity. And actually 
the richness comes from the day-to-day -day stuff and we have to prioritise that. So for me, it's when my cup is full and I've looked after myself and I disconnect from socials, but also like just the mundane of life and just conversations, mm. which sounds a bit cliche and a bit cringe, but I think disconnection, for, as in disconnection from um, the digital space is we should prescribe it for creativity in my opinion i love how you spoke about that i think i've said that for everything that you've said so <laughs> i sound like a parrot on this episode just for everyone listening it's like kyra get a new way to describe yourself but i just agree with so much of what you said like uh about the creativity and like just taking that time to have like that deep thought. Mm. I um, do this also, but I call them manifestation walks. And what I do is I typically just go out on a walk, like there's a park behind my house and I go out and walk and I just like visualize the thing that I'm wanting happening. And I allow like whatever ideas to come, to come. And that's how the idea to do the journal, when I did it came, I remember I was on a walk and it felt like a lightning bolt, like just like exploded in my tummy yeah. and I felt, very hot and it was like this is now is the time yeah. and i really resonate with that idea of creativity is so much easier when you are in connection to yourself oh, and it's like it kind of makes sense that we need to like come off instagram because so often we can feel really disconnected from ourselves when yeah. we are like consuming other people's content massively and it's almost like having value on your own ideas like your own ideas have value mm -hmm. even if you haven't like done anything with them yet it's still important yeah just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean that their ideas are suddenly more valuable than yours 100 percent. and i also like i really loved that you said that like you experience physical symptoms when you mm. had that lightning bolt moment because I think for me something I've also really become and this sounds a bit more like woo than the usual but something I've really worked on is listening to my body when I either get it could be anything from an inquiry or I have an idea how does this feel physically because you you have to trust that intuition and I think our bodies are the first thing that guide us and the first thing that tell us whether something feels safe or not and usually like I have it same as you when I do my um, creative thinking walks if I have an idea it's almost like this euphoric overwhelming yeah. not even adrenaline because adrenaline often signals fear but it's this like full body almost from the toes up like like, I need to do 10 star jumps to release this, like, yeah. energy that is coming out of me. This is the idea. And then, like, you get all excited and it's like this feels on a 360 level, body, mind, soul, like, this is it. Like, this is, this is yeah. what we need to do. And I think so often we sit at our desks and when we're scrolling on social media, it activates our nervous system. And, like, we get a shitty email. We don't walk it off. We don't brush it off. And... Um, like you see an animal get attacked and they'll just shake it off because they're, they're releasing that energy and we sit with stagnant energy and I think in order for creativity to flow like we have to be in flow ourselves and that is a physical thing too that's a, not just a mind thing it's physical um, yeah I really like what you said about your lightning bolt moment with the journal I'm going to switch up the conversation slightly and go back to where you mentioned about your TED talk. You told me a really great story of 
how that unfolded and how you've had, you know, this sort of dream to do a TED talk for a while. Can you tell the listeners about that story? Yeah, definitely. So um, as I spoke about earlier, public speaking used to absolutely terrify me. And like to the point I would call in sick to work if I had to do pitches. Um, I had really bad social anxiety in my early 20s, post-university. And I just never thought it would be an option for me. And I remember I've, I've watched TED for the last 10 years. I, I used it quite a lot um, in my uni research. Always been a fan of TED Talks. And I remember being sat there one day like, oh, I'd love to do that. I would love to do that and talk about the things that I love and share that and it just was something that felt so unbelievably out of reach and I remember um in my second job when I'd moved to London my boss at the time was like what's something you would love to do like anything career highlight I was like you know what I'd love to do a TED talk and she was like you'll do it one day you will and I was like yeah right whatever and then um, as I grew more confident, like selfhood has been, oh my gosh, like it's changed my life. Like starting my business, I'm so, so grateful that I took that risk. But I think taking those micro steps and talking on podcasts and hosting events and doing more public speaking, I was like, Do you know what? I feel like this could actually happen, but I don't even know where to begin on starting a, like doing a TED talk. I don't even know like how that would happen. And then a friend of mine, Emma Marshall, who has a movement called Movement is Medicine, which is very much about like somatic embodiment and using dance to move emotions. And she does some incredible work. Go and check her out. Um, I feel like that description I just gave did not do her justice. Um, but she's, <laughs> she's amazing. But she did a TEDx talk for University of Manchester on her um, movement, Movement is Medicine. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I'd seen loads of like Brene Brown's TED talk um, was an independently organized one, the one that went viral. And so I knew TEDx, TED, I knew TEDx existed and there were independently organized talks, but I just had no idea how they worked. So I was like, okay, um, went on to the TEDx Manchester, which was the one that Emma did's website and saw that you could apply to do TEDx talks. And I was like, oh my gosh, no way. Like, I didn't realize, I thought you had to wait to be chosen. And then I looked at all of the unis that did it and I came across University of Essex. And this is so random, but I quite often when I'm out on a night out, people be like, are you from Essex? And I'm like, no, I'm not from Essex. <laughs> people all, I don't know why, like I live not far from there, but I always get asked if I'm from Essex. And I was like, I feel like Essex is gonna be the one, you know. Meanwhile, 18 months ago, I created this graph, I'm literally looking at it now. Um, I created this graphic that sits next to my mirror in selfhood branding that says one day you're going to do a TED talk and inspire loads of people. You're going to make them laugh and smile all just by being yourself. You're going to continue to see growth because the universe is always working with you. So I've just read that it's oh. next to me, next to my mirror for 18 months, looked at it every day, was like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to do it. And then just before Christmas, I'm sat on Instagram TEDx University, we're looking for speakers. I was like, boy, this is my chance. So I applied before Christmas, 
kind of forgot about well I didn't forget about it I'm trying to act cool um I <laughs> I was like put it out there what will be will be if it doesn't happen this year it will happen maybe next year like I'm not gonna force any outcomes and then I get an email to say like we'd love to chat more about your idea and they do all these zoom interviews um and like so many people applied and there's people with like PhDs and stuff talking about um like the menstrual cycle and um workplace um culture and like just really interesting and knowledgeable topics and I was like they're not gonna want to hear little old me talk about like confidence um and anyway we got on a zoom call and we were chatting and they were like we think this is a really solid idea but um we have more people to speak to and I was like I don't know you know when you go for a job interview and you're like I don't know how that went you know and I was a bit like oh I don't know not sure if it's gonna happen and uh then they emailed me I was in bed on a Saturday morning and they were like, congratulations, you're a TEDx speaker. And I literally threw my phone across the floor, screamed and burst into tears. I was like, oh, no way. Like, I had to reread the email and check that it came from a legit email address. And Whoa. I just sat there like, I cannot believe something that I felt was so out of reach. Like, so unbelievably out of reach. I just thought I'll never ever achieve that. It's now happening in five weeks and I wake up every day terrified. But you know what? <laughs> As we spoke about <laughs> earlier, out of comfort zone, growth mode. Like I'm I'm excited as well as nervous, but I think as well, just I just wanna like come back to a point on that is that I think everyone's got a TED talk in them. And I just honestly believe, and I know this is so like, everyone says this shit, but I so believe it. And I mean it when I say, if I can do it, God, I think back to myself at parties in London when I first moved here, an anxious wreck going home thinking everyone thought I was weird. I shouldn't have said that. I'm never going out again. Leaving meetings at work. Like I'm the awkward, weird one in the office. No one wants to be my friend. I'm never going to make friends in London. I was so miserable and I, honestly was so anxious and the thought of doing something like this made me feel violently ill and I just want to really really say like please don't give up and please don't ever feel like you cannot express your idea I'm not saying you have to do a TED talk but even if it's getting more confident in meetings you honestly can you just have to commit those micro bits of growth and set yourself really measurable tasks and mine started off by going into the coffee shop and saying to baristas hey, how's your day been? Instead of just, hi, can I have an oat milk latte? Like sparking up conversations with strangers, which sounds so minor, but it was so huge to me at the time. So really work yourself up. But sorry, that was a TED talk in itself. <laughs> I hope that asked. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it was a bit long. But yeah, basically I found the opportunity. I didn't wait for it to come to me. And I think that's really important to, don't just wait for things, go find them, go pitch yourself, like, plant plant the seed for them don't wait for them to come to you Mm, there's so much juice in that and like because when you said like oh i thought you had to wait to be chosen for ted for tedx to my mind there came like some like things i'm wanting for myself and i realized i've been waiting for these brands to come and choose me which we do and we're like oh my god they don't know we exist like go tell them yeah 
And I think there'll just be so many people listening to that story being like, yeah, I have dreams and goals that feel so out of reach. Yeah. Like my penthouse. I promise you that's going to happen. All of you listening. Oh my God. I promise you, you will, you, I will have a penthouse. We have spoken about Saturdays at Kyra's penthouse when yeah. it was like, it's going to be the gap <laughs> that we go to and just drink margaritas and talk about life. It's happening. I see it for you, babes. I see it. It's coming. It it's is. coming. So hold on to those big, big dreams. Exactly that. What advice would you give to your past self? I know you've given some already, but... Do you know what? I've been asked this before and it always makes me feel really emotional. Um, I I don't even know why. It's not that I find it triggering. I just feel like I'm such a different person to who I was. And sometimes when I deep Mm. who I was when I was younger, I just think, oh my God, I want to hug you so bad. Um, I was just so anxious and I just had such low self-esteem. So I think my advice would be trust that this is going to work out because honestly I am so happy I my cup is overflowing and Mm. I love my life so much but I worked so hard to achieve this the life that I have I don't mean like um work success I mean like my relationships my friendships yeah like just my relationship with myself mostly I think like I really respect myself and I have worked so hard to get to this place. And I think that has come from, do you know what? Like trauma affects everybody, but I'm actually really grateful for my trauma. So I think my advice would be embrace your trauma because it's going to serve you in ways you don't even Mm. realise. And I do think that there's so much expansion that comes from pain and it's your choice in how you transmute that or transmit that. Um, You can either choose to, be a victim which I did for a long time but now I'm like no life's short like the universe the universe has to work with you not for you and I think like once you take those steps and once you like put that energy out there like okay I'm I'm willing to change my life I'm willing to step out of this mentality crazy things happen crazy things so I think like yeah I'd go back and say, trust that these times are going to be such a catalyst for the next part of your life. Mm, preach. Yeah. What's a risk that you almost didn't take? Starting my business. Mm. Um, I sat on it for so long and then I picked up a, f- a three-day-a-week contract with one of my old bosses and they offered me a full-time role, an amazing package, um, they were going to send me to America for six months. Like they were like, nice. we really want you to stay. Like it was such a cool opportunity. And I sat and I thought about it for two weeks and I was so close to taking it. And I made like hardly any money in my first year of selfhood. Like I made probably half what I made in my salary. And there were times where I was like, oh, I could be earning loads of money and doing so much more. But I just valued the freedom and the flexibility so much. So I think selfhood has been honestly like the game changer for me. I'm so grateful for it. And I'm so grateful for the people I've met through it and just the life it's given me. So I think had I not started that, I don't know. I don't know who I'd be. It's really, do you ever do that? Do you ever think about like where you'd be and what you'd be doing if you didn't take the path that you have now? It's really, I find it quite overwhelming, you know? It is so, oh, I, yeah. It's weird because in one way, I strongly believe that it would 
it had to happen how it happened. Mm. Kind of like all the good things, all the bad things, like everything, like it had to unfold the way it unfold, unfolded. And in another way, I feel like the reason why I asked this question was a risk that you almost didn't take is because it's kind of like the crossroads. Yeah. Do you go A or B? And what would have happened if you did, yeah. if you picked A, but you would have went B? It's, I find it, I find it quite overwhelming. Like, I'm just sat in my flat now looking around like, oh my gosh, what, like, where would I be? I can't imagine being anywhere else but here. I imagine like my life being any different to what it is now. It's just, it's quite a, isn't it so funny? Like what's that movie, The Butterfly Effect, where they say like any tiny thing that happens in the world can literally change everything. Like any minor decision, like even the trainers you choose that day, like you could fall on your laces and like, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy wild. But um, yeah, I think not starting selfhood, um and then I think it's all the micro risks as well like we've spoken about today it's all and they're not micro because they're big at the time but like pitching myself to speak on people's podcasts when I felt really anxious about public speaking and yeah I just think like really like tiny things and then also like the personal things like shedding people who weren't aligned with me like I made some pretty big friendship cuts in the panny d I'm not gonna lie and (laughs) For a long time, I was like, these people just don't support or serve me. And yeah. now I'm like, well, it made space for people that do, who do. So, yeah, I think it's like that holistic life thing of like, some things feel uncomfortable, but if you trust in your gut that it's going to serve your higher purpose, then by all means, take the risk. Send the risky text. <laughs> absolutely (laughs) daisy it's been such a pleasure thank you for coming on and sharing your insight your magic and your wisdom Uh, i have one more question to ask you before you go okay and that final question is if tomorrow you had to rebuild like the slate was right clean and you had to rebuild and start again what and you could only take three tools with you in order to rebuild what three tools would you take and why Ooh. My phone, which is so basic, um, but I just think as a social media advocate um, and professional, I'm not just saying this because it's my job. I just think it's like abundant with opportunity when it's used in the right way and in moderation. So my phone, I would take my water bottle (laughs) because hydration is so key. Key. Um, I'm not a nice person when I'm dehydrated. I need water um and my airpods because music fuels my ambition in ways that Mm. like a drug it's like a drug to me um when I've got a banger on and I'm in the mood to create powers happen so yeah nothing can stop you Mm. airpods water in my phone amazing Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. How can people get in touch with you? How can they find you? All the things. Of course. So my Instagram is at the underscore self underscore hood. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. My name's Daisy Morris. Um, and if you hit the link in bio on my Instagram, I also have a bi-weekly newsletter where I share my favourite music stuff I've loved on social media, inspiring things I've seen on the internet. It's more of a personal space for my other channels. Um, 
So yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, always up for chatting and connecting. So if anything I've said to you resonates or you want to ask me anything, feel free to pop me a DM on any of those platforms and I will happily chat. But thank you so much for facilitating this conversation because it's so nice to talk about these things and it it's, it's quite affirming sometimes, isn't it? When you relay stories mm. and you're like, oh yeah, that happened, that's so amazing. Like, I forgot. Um, so thank you for bringing this to life. Yeah, you're welcome. And also I want to thank you because it's been so fun getting to know you over the last maybe year and a half that I've known you. It's just been such a trip. <laughs> like we were like fully fangirling before we got on here. Like, you know, you just meet people and you're like, you're my person. I know. <laughs> but, um, you enrich my life in so many ways. And I'm so, so happy to have someone like you on board alongside the journey and just excited for what the future holds for both of us, to be honest. The future's looking big. That's all I can say. <laughs> so much to share, but we can't. It's secret, but... Inside jokes. Inside, inside jokes. jokes. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to let the people go on with their lives now. Everyone, okay. thank you so much for listening. Please leave a little five-star review and help us share the message of this podcast to all the people across the globe who need it. Yeah. And... Let Daisy know that you enjoyed her coming on talking. Let me know that you that you really enjoyed this. And I will see you next week. Love ya. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the No Room for Doubt podcast. If you've loved what you've heard today, you're probably going to want to coach with me one-on-one. -on -one. Stuck to Unstoppable is my signature coaching program to transform your mindset and your confidence so you can go out and achieve the goals that you want in your life and in your business. Simply go to my website at www.kyramatthews.com to book your free 30-minute consultation. I cannot wait to get unstoppable with you. See you there.